0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Sunland Community Soup Kitchen. And it's Garv back once again, we're going to do a little review again of the week. Uh, joined by Craig, who was here with me last week. How's things, Craig? Are you
1: are you battling against the wind like I am? It's uh, chaotic, isn't it? But I, I don't know. I think me and you, we're, we're a good luck charm at the moment. Every time that we're on together at the minute, we're winning games or... At least doing something positive, so so long may that continue. I'll
0: take I'll take that like, and uh, I'm also joined by Matty Crichton. How are we doing,
2: Matty? Feeling dead positive for another win, further closer to promotion, mm. and we're even closer at to that top spot.
0: Yeah, well, I've just tried really hard not to say your name wrong, even though I know what your name <laughs> how to say it. I, I do it every time. Um, yeah, so we're here, sort of midweek on the back of Sunderland's latest win. I say that like because we, we're just becoming a winning machine. I think Chris said last week, that's what's and on. Now we're just a bit of a machine. And um that performance on Saturday, Matty, was was definitely befitting of a machine, wasn't it? We didn't play particularly well. We ground out the result. We knew exactly what a Joey Barton team was gonna come and try and do and that was to frustrate us and pr- make us you know, press us into into errors and and just make life hard for us. And they definitely did that, didn't they? But it, it just shows the, the metal of this team when they still came out with a clean sheet and a win, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I think it's showing we are creating this winning mentality and a bit more resilience. I think we didn't play particularly too well. You know, Bristol Rovers had the odd chance, but I think it was one of those games where a year ago it would have ended 1-1 or they would have nicked a 2-1. We we, we seem now when it's 20 minutes to go and we've got a one-goal lead, we're not worrying as much anymore and those last minute goals aren't happening you know we're keeping clean sheets and i think this month we've won every game bar the draw with lincoln so we're moving in the right direction yeah great and a craig like
0: just sitting here talking about wins and clean sheets i know i know it's difficult for some fans when they see um the pressure ramping up sort of when you see peter Brad winning seven nil it does take the gleam off your victory a little bit because you know you're in, you're in competition with them and and they've went and battered somebody. But I guess we have to just focus on our own results, really, don't we? Because we've got 10 left. We've got them to play. We've got a lot of other decent teams to play. It's it's, it's in our hands. I mean, with the games in hand, we can be top of the table. So um, it's important, isn't it, just to focus on ourselves at this stage? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, you're right in that respect. Our match was certainly far from a classic. And I think once Peterborough's went and scored seven, perhaps people are looking over our shoulders a little bit now and thinking we need to start putting teams away as uh, as comfortable as they did? But it's worth remembering that they've had their vulnerabilities and they, you know, came unstuck against Rochdale, drew three three. Then obviously they've dropped points against Blackpool. I think credit to, to our lads, at least. You know, it was the first time in the week where they've had, I suppose, a few extra days of you know, kind of coming out of this this routine of just sort of rest and get stuck into another game. And we we all had this vision that we could perhaps work on something different, and then. Lo and behold, you find that training's been interrupted by another COVID case. But typical of the Sunderland side at the minute, we're just not letting things like that bothering us. Mm, getting on with the job. Yeah, you're right. I mean, with with Bristol, obviously, we had to dig in a little bit deep and buy our time. They had a game plan, which, to be fair, it was it was well worked from the start. They they wanted to slow the game down for the majority of the first half. They pressed us very well, they were quite aggressive. They frustrated us and they, they did limit us in our chances. Obviously, we needed uh, to be a little bit more direct. Um, But that's the hallmarks of playing against any side struggling at the bottom of the league at this stage of the season. They're fighting for the lives. So it's, um, like I said, it's not out of the ordinary, really. But I thought we will cope with it well. We remained calm. And once we got our noses in front, as I was saying to Matty before recording, you know, I just did not feel at any time that we were going to come away with anything less than three points. Second half, we started yeah. to move the ball around a little bit quicker We when we changed shape. Aidan McGeady got involved a hell of a lot more. And, you know, despite obviously creating the better chances, perhaps on another day, we, we could have beat them by a couple more. But, you know, you've got to give credit to them, give credit to their goalkeeper, because he's made a few decent saves to keep the score down. And, and as you've said, really, all we've got to do now is just keep this going, keep grinding out the results and just keep that pressure on the top two, because at the moment, we're the team in form. Mm. And as you say, when it comes to playing Peterborough, They've got to win that game. The pressure's not on us to go win that game. We can afford it, maybe even go take a draw with our games in hand. They they have to come out and beat us to try and keep that gap. And I think we're in a hell of a position now. We've just got to keep it going.
0: Yeah. I was listening to BBC Newcastle after the game. And uh, Nick Barnes asked Lee Lee Johnson, is this now a three horse race? Are you sort of basically are you discounting Lincoln because there is a gap forming there and he wouldn't be drawn on it. But what do you reckon, Matty? Do you reckon this is a three-horse race now? Because there is sort of That gap form and Lincoln's forms went off a cliff. You know, there's a potential for maybe a Blackpool to come into it if they can go into championship winning form. But really, it's looking like two from three now, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think, obviously, as we've seen all season, teams are going to get form and slip up. But I think with Lincoln, especially given their injury issues, I know they didn't have a full bench the other day. I think Bridcut went off as well. They're sort of coming down a bit. The teams below, you know, a lot of them have changed managers, things like that. I think... Peterborough, Hull and Sunderland are the ones at the minute sort of setting the way. But obviously, if you then check the form table, you know, where at the top with the likes of Blackpool, I think, although it is the three, I think Craig's right. I think we are probably the favourite right now.
0: We actually are the favourite with the booties. I think we haven't actually been in the top
2: two yet with the favourites. Well, I'd imagine if you're a posh fan or a Hull fan, I imagine they're probably really worried because if you're a gambling person, you'd think one of them two was going to come out and Sunderland would take a place so in a way, the sort of the pressures on them, like Craig said, to keep Sunderland out and keep that top two spot.
0: Yeah, like I've said, we've still got to play Peterborough coming up this weekend, and I do want to look ahead quickly at those two games, Craig. We've got Oxford. I know, I know, we say taking a game at a time, but we have to be looking at that posh game now and thinking, can we potentially overtake them when we when we get to that game and, and win it? Um, but we can't look past Oxford either, can we? Because you look at Oxford in the table at the minute. Um, they're just outside the playoffs, I mean they're a point outside, just behind Blackpool Haven't had the greatest form this last month or so But they've taken some big scalps already this season um, uh, I'm not I'm not worried about them, I think this is a very efficient Sunderland team at the minute But they're no mugs, are they? Um, no. The one thing though that we can say in Sunderland's favour And it's not you know, just because we're playing well at the minute Even earlier in the season we were taking points off decent teams So... Um, I'm actually looking forward to this one.
1: It's a, it's a big game. I mean, over the course of the weekend, I think that's going to be season-defining now and it will probably mm, determine yeah. who's who's going to finish in the top two. I appreciate there's still a long way to go and it's never going to be a foregone conclusion, but I think the momentum really does change over the course of this week. If we take maximum points off Oxford, like I said, I think we can actually afford to go down to Peterborough and and take a point because of the, the fortunate position we're in with our games in hand, but you know, what a statement of intent that would be if we can take maximum points from these games because then, you know, I think you've got everybody believing. But I think, realistically speaking, like like you said, you've just got to take it one game at a time. And the, I think the most important thing now is just looking ahead to Oxford and just ensuring that nobody gets perhaps a little too carried away and, and and everybody just remains focused. But I think with Lee Johnson, I mean, in his post-match press conference, like you said, he's he's not discounting anybody. He's not he's not even getting too carried away in, in terms of our form. He, he said that um, the most important thing was to ensure that we get at least a playoff place is like, is a minimum spot. And I think yeah. he's doing well to keep everybody grounded at, at the minutes, despite obviously all of us, we're, we're all getting carried away naturally because of the amount of wins we're putting together. We've seen this before. This is Roy Keane sort of similar form of season
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we just need to keep it going. Um, so like you say, I'm I'm not particularly concerned about anybody who we play with at the moment. I, I honestly think that the the momentum is with us. I think that we're capable of grounding out a result in any any situation. And especially with how threadbare we are at the moment. I mean, Christ, look at the makeshift to back four. And we're we're still picking up maximum points wherever we go at the minute. So hopefully we can get a couple of more buddies in the squad because like I said, this this week coming, it's it's the biggest of the season.
0: Yeah, I was reading on the uh in the Oxford Mail, Matty, it was a uh, Carl Robinson's column, which he does every week there, and he was talking about how, uh, how how Oxford really could do with a break, and we were talking about a similar sort of thing last week, their form's kind of been a bit iffy, I know they've just beat Lincoln, but Lincoln have been crap recently, so I don't know what how much you can really take from that, considering Oxford lost to Northampton in the game before. But like Craig says, we shouldn't be fearing them, should we? we? We definitely need... We're the form team going into this game. Literally, we are top of the form table, just ahead of Hull. I think if I look, Oxford are ninth. So Oxford have had a proper indifferent month. Um, we're at home. We're, we're finally starting to show some signs of um, turning that into a bit of a fortress after a, a crap period under Parkinson where we couldn't we couldn't win games at the Stadium of Light. We are the team to be feared, yeah, really, aren't we? It, it's, we, we have to definitely focus on our positives, things we can bring to the table, and and also with the benefit of a, of a handful of potentially injured players coming back like Hume, Jones, potentially coming in the mix. So, yeah, lots of positivity heading into Easter weekend, isn't there?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, just a point on Oxford, I did see on Twitter that statistically we haven't beat them at the Stadium of light since we've dropped back down to League One, which usually mm. with these sorts of things would have been a fearful part, but obviously under Lee Johnson lately, we've won at Wembley, we've won at Fratton Park, you know, we've beat Burton Albion, all of these little things, beating Joey Barton, things we previously struggled in. We're now yeah, starting to sort there. of break these hoodoos and like I touched on earlier, we're already starting to develop that winning mentality. Hmm. Um I'm I'm looking forward to it, to be fair. Like I have I'm sure people are already aware. I'm I've
0: turned into the biggest son and happy clap I go in me. I'm just I went I went from just hating everything to now I just think, as a fan base, we have a real role to play in this. Just as the players do, just as Lee Johnson does, there's a real sense of togetherness at the minute, and the fans can definitely do their part in that. We can't dwell on the negatives too much. Ultimately, we all know what the end game is here. Sunderland have to get promoted. Whatever the case may be, whether that be through the playoffs or the automatics, we have to get promoted. So we have to bite our tongue a little bit until the end of the season, in my opinion. I think Sunderland are not going to get in a better position than they are currently. Ramping up the pressure on the top two, we've got a fantastic squad, we've got a manager who's got the players playing for him, and we will come on in a minute. We've got real momentum, we're a winning machine, just everything is positive at the minute and I don't want to dwell too much on negativity. We're all guilty of it, dwelling on the Barton thing a little bit more, too much coming out of the game, but we've won the game, alright the performance wasn't fantastic, but... As fans, we have a part to play. I definitely think that whilst we're not in the ground, we can't be there in person to cheer them on. The players read everything, they see these things on social media. If we can project that positivity back onto them a little bit, we can do our bit because as much as we'd love to be in the ground, singing and cheering and, and witnessing the goals going in and celebrating with them when they do eventually get promoted, we can't be there. It's just the fact of the matter at the minute. But what we can be is just generally very positive i don't know what you lads think but i'm in a position now where i'm like even if we lost a game at the weekend we kind of sort of don't have to sit on it too much we have to we have to think past that there's there's an end goal here isn't there in sight and it's it's promotion craig we just have to we have to do our bit oh yeah
1: absolutely and i think um i think you're starting to actually sense that a little bit within the fan base at the moment like a a bit of like a, a calmness sort of really took place over a lot of people yeah. and look I, I mean I appreciate like you said everybody can get a bit reactionary at times that's the worst performance I've ever seen that's the worst player do this that and the other but I, I think what you've kind of seen over like the last 10 games now is is people are really believing and people are, are once again invested I think after that Shrewsbury game you know you listen there to, to the people's podcasts or you watch like the fan channels on YouTube you're reading articles and blogs and, and everybody just said the same that wrote the season off completely. And mm-hmm. there was a, a sort of a big sort of disgruntlement within the fan base as to why people weren't actually looking at Sunderland and, and sort of like expressing how shit would have been and how shit things were going. But now all of a sudden, just with the flick of a switch almost, it seems like Lee Johnson's just just hit like a masterstroke. And, um, and I think that's a testament to him because in his early days, when he first took charge, you know, he was impacted with COVID. He's obviously had like a lot of players out injured and the job he's done I mean by god he's 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 totally transformed us and yeah like you say yeah I mean we've we've just got to keep that going if we're in the ground this coming Friday there'd be 40,000 people in absolutely no doubt about it the town would be packed everybody would be in a feel-good mood and I think like you said although we can't be there the the most important thing is is you've just got to cheer from afar haven't you you know Mm. get the good luck messages in and stuff like that no matter how sort of cliche it may be but that's pretty much all you can do at the moment. Let the players know that you're still there, you're still supporting. And um and just continue with the confidence booster because like I said, it's it's in our hands. I appreciate it's as simple as saying we've got to win every single game. But if you look back over the last ten games, what's that, eight wins, two draws, nobody believed yeah. we could do that. So there's no reason why we can't replicate that form and go for mm. it again. Absolutely.
0: Um I I asked our Twitter followers, what is the biggest positive that Lee Johnson has brought to the club so far, in your opinion? And we've had a ton of responses. I mean, I just basically what busy. all I want to do is capitalize on that and maybe see what people are thinking. So, yeah, Aaron Shoulder he said positivity, even when Big Sam was here and we thought the future was bright. No one was this positive. The attitude of the players and all of the staff has been excellent under Lee. He's completely transformed the club. AWC says actually playing football, not just booting it long, being able to hold onto one nils. Um, the biggest achievement is what he has got out of the players More so with more limited players That's a, that's a good point isn't it Matty like, When you think, I've not one, not one I've really thought about You look at the limited like, players we would say Are probably the more limited in the squad He's getting a bit of a tune out of them isn't he Like How many clean sheets has Callum McFadden been a part of now For instance um, Lee Burge is a keeper who most of us had wrote off Before Johnson came in He's now the best goalkeeper in the league like just how much of an impact do you think he's having on on the squad right now? Because um, and one thing I will just add in before you you give your answer is I've I've heard an interview again on BBC Newcastle with Aidan O'Brien. I've never heard players speak with such confidence about a manager he, he's got them all singing from it the same hymn sheet. What do you think the biggest positive he's brought to the table is, Matty?
2: I definitely think you've highlighted theirs in, you know, getting the best out of players who hadn't been performing. You know, mm. we've got loads of defensive players injured, yet we're still keeping clean sheets. He's sorted out the goalkeeping position. And then in someone like Aiden O'Brien, you know, he was never scoring. Now he's becoming like a bit of an unsung hero, like someone who he, do, he doesn't necessarily score and take the headlines, but it's his work off the ball and his partnership with Charlie White. So I'd definitely say... Overall, He's just, them players who were getting sort of four, five, sixes are now getting sevens and eights regularly under him. I'm just looking at a couple more of the responses here. Michael Cowie
0: says he just looks like he should be Sunderland, manager simple as that. Sean SCFC in 1973 says belief. John Harrison, results need to keep going now and win the league. Uh, George Ollier, his attitude, he seems to be up for every game that we play and wanting us to score as many as we can, not just settle for a draw or even a narrow win. I don't want to dwell on the Parkinson thing, but that that's one in a Craig, where you where you look at Johnson, he's just done it. He's done everything the complete opposite to Phil Parkinson, basically, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, that's right. And there was a couple of mentions there about that he looks like the Sunderland manager. And I know it's one of those like cliches, but like you, I think sometimes you need to have something about you to be manager of this football club. Allardyce was mentioned in the comments there, has something about him. Then, you know, you look at some of the managers that followed. Moyes sucked the life out of us all. Grayson didn't have it. Coleman could charm anybody, but he couldn't back it up. Jack Ross, intelligent man, ultimately failed. Parkinson, less said the better, miserable. <laughs> Literally did not look like he was fit to stand on that touchline for us. Lee Johnson's come in. Yeah, a lot of office lingo that might not um, go down well with some, but you know what? So what? He, he's he's just getting everything right at the moment. He's coming in. He's he's beaming from ear to ear. He's got the players looking like they're enjoying themselves again. You're right about the yeah. O'Brien thing, and it kind of just takes us back to what Ledbitter says at full time at Wembley. That he he cares. And for yeah. somebody like Ledbitter to come out who's been around the block and to speak such high yeah, exactly, volumes yeah. like like something like that to say he cares. He's invested. He cares about the staff, cares about his players. You could even see when when we lifted the trophy that day, he was straight in amongst the players. Like they they yeah. were they were getting him involved immediately and and I think the feel good factor about the players now is, like I said, it's it's something that we haven't seen in a long time. Even going back to like the early days under Stuart Donald, where obviously they were riding sort of that early wave of positivity before shit hit the fan. But even then, at its at its peak, I still don't think it rivals what it is now. And no. I guess the credit that you've got to give to Johnson and the players is they're not actually benefiting from a packed out stadium of lights, having people cheering them on. They're only doing it with having us from a distance, and I, I honestly think. If you look at games like that against Bristol Rovers or some of the the places where we've been and we've took points from, uh, like Accrington and stuff like that, just imagine the scenes packed out at end where you've got a couple of thousand Sunderland fans cheering them on. They, they would absolutely mm. love that. Sunderland fans rolling into everybody's ground and taking over. They, they haven't yeah. got that, but they're still managing to pull out a performance. So, I mean, I can't praise the bloke enough, honestly. I know mm. when he first came in, there might have been people who weren't overly sold, but I think he's, he's certainly proved any doubters wrong and, um, yeah. and long may it continue.
0: Yeah, there's a good point made by David Keeler in, in the tweet uh, comments. He says a plan B and C. Also, the squad's right behind him. It reminds us of something on uh, Luke 09's podcast this week. The whole podcast was based around his experience at Wembley and he got into the sort of the, the way that he's being coached. And he talked about how Johnson's got a plan for every eventuality. And every player knows their job in that specific set of circumstances. That's the degree of planning that's going into to the situation right now. The players just appreciate having a job to do, don't they? Like and knowing what knowing what they're going to do, Matty. I've wrote a, a piece on the site this week about this. But football management is very simple when you when you break it down. Like people just want to be treated like human beings. They want to be shown what their job is. But also want to be given some responsibility, right? It's the footballers, they want to be the likes of McGee. You don't. There's only so much you can tell Ian McGee to do. He knows what he's doing. For you know what I mean. But that level of planning just fills with me with confidence that even when we play Peterborough, he already knows all about them. He knows where to break them down, where to hurt them, what their strengths are, how we can capitalize upon their weaknesses. That's why I'm so confident that we're going to end the season well, because I think he's already planning for every eventuality,
2: isn't he? Yeah, I think. One thing I really like with him as well is the tactical flexibility. I think if he sees something not working, at half time he makes a change, he's not worried about making early subs, he's not worried about a brave team call, he tries different things. And I just think it's really refreshing because we've seen obviously going back to Parkinson, it was the same formation, it was the same tactic to get it wide to the wing backs. Whereas now you see in games, Sunderland have different plans. You know, we'll start in a certain way, if it's not working, He he might change the players around personnel-wise. He'll have a flicker with the formation. He'll make a change from the bench, Brave. You know, like we've seen with Akron bringing um, Ross Stewart on at half-time. He's really bold and brave. And it seems, like you said, about that planning. He does his homework. He's got different ways. So if planning is not working, he's got B and C. He's shown, like I said, with the defenders when... I mean, there's not many managers in League One who could cope with having four central defenders injured. And we seem to have came through it without any problems. I mean, he saw it, he saw it as a bit of a coaching challenge, didn't he? Yeah. I remember yeah. he did an, he did an interview after a
0: game. I can't remember what game it was, but he would. Oh, it might it might have been before a game where he talked about having to potentially play a defence full of midfielders, and he was actually like buzzing about it. He's like, "Well, I've always wanted to play a defence full of midfielders, I'll, you know the way they can play out from the back." He's turning po- negatives into positives, isn't he?
2: But if you if you imagine at the start of the season though, if you if say we sat down and did one of these and. Someone had said to you, "You'll go on a run of winning games, getting loads of clean sheets, and as part of that, you'll have Luke O'Neill in centre half and Max Power right back." You know, you just wouldn't have believed it, but now it seems so normal and it's working. And it's something. It, it a year ago, you would have been going into games with that defence really worried, but now you sort of you're more relaxed and you're thinking, "Oh well, I trust the process that it's going to come good." Mm. Full of full of positivity. I-
0: uh, there, there was a few comments on the thread about sharks. Can we just touch on that? I think, um, <laughs> yeah. What was that all about? I think if if we'd been if we'd been uh, losing games, we might have that might have been a, a bit of a sore point. The w- w- what did he say again? He said something about how the, w- we're playing like sharks. Sharks don't have days off or something. I, I think I it was
2: sort words. of hinting on like a bit of ruthlessness and that winning yeah, mentality. Yeah. How like sharks obviously like the bully people, the going <laughs> for the kill, that yeah, sort of yeah. vibe.
1: The go around you know what, being sharks biting stuff and being aggressive.
0: That's the one, yeah.
2: Do you know what it is though? I quite
0: I, when he first came in and he was coming out with stuff like that. I was the first one saying I don't like this. Like, what's he doing? But I quite like the fact he he's confident enough to just say these things and like he really believes it. I guess I guess that's all around why the players are sort of buying into him because he clearly believes the things he says and that must be infectious. I mean, I I keep going back to this when I heard. Um, Luke Steele, the former Barnsley goalkeeper, talked about him on Under the Cosh and he said how, uh, how Lee Johnson's the best manager he's ever played for at getting a team going in the dressing room. Look at the mentality of the group now. like he's, he's had such a massive influence on that group of players to the point now where they're sort of leading themselves as well, like you're seeing new leaders popping up. Although he was the team captain, never thought of Max Power as a big leader. He's now like really solidified himself as a big player at this club. And credit to him, because a lot of us, including me, wrote him off. I mean, you could sit here all day just licking Johnson's arse, reading <laughs> about things he's done well. I mean, and I would love to be able to sit here at the end of the season and continue the conversation on. And um, but right now, I just can't say enough good about him. Really, he's just he's he's really really impressing me. And as I go back one, what one of the reply said in that tweet, he, he looks like a Sunderland manager, like you said, Craig. Some big big personalities have came to this club. And done very well. And it's the personality that's carried them. And I, th- I think Johnson's definitely in that mould, isn't he?
1: Well, I think how easy it would have been to get overwhelmed with basically the restrictions and the injuries and everything that we've had so far. It would have been very, very easy just uh, to kind of write it all off and just dress it up as something else. I mean, like I said, not to you know, kick Phil Parkinson whilst he's down, but if you remember when he took charge, his remit was right top two. And obviously we went on that disastrous run of form. Then he starts alienating his players, and then it, it, it just obviously all you know unfolded into a bit of a disaster at the end of the season and continuing into this. But I think with Lee Johnson, I mean credit to the bloke, um, because he must have some enormous bollocks to to basically be able to kind of come in and and get that belief going. And and I think that's exactly what you've kind of said. We could sit here all day long and blow smoke up his but. In fairness, he deserves it because I remember even on the official club podcast where I think Speakman said that we had to be top two. I think that was, he was saying it was his target and Lee Johnson was like, no, I want to win the league. Like he he literally believed then and ordinarily you might look at it and, and think, well, you know, we've just got to get promoted by any way means necessary. But he, I don't know, I get the impression that like he would, he would be pretty disappointed even if we went up via the playoffs like how many times you'll hear him post-game say, yeah, you know, we've won. I'm happy with X, Y, and Z, but I'm equally frustrated with this. He's continuously looking to try and improve and, and and obviously make make big strides. And and like I said, long may it continue because I think between now and obviously the end of the season, really it's it's all about nerve and it's basically who's going to bottle it from here on. Lincoln look like they've fallen all already. Hull have had a bit of a ropey week. So if we can go into the next two games, come out unbeaten, maybe take, say, four to six points, then I think we're mm. laughing.
0: Yeah, not to look too far ahead, Matty, but we've got 10 games left, right? I tried to work this out earlier. I, I think six wins will see you win the league from 10. Bear in mind who we've got to play. Would you say that this team's capable of winning six out of those 10 games?
2: Yeah, I, I think mm. definitely 100%. If you look at the league table as it is, obviously, I, I'd imagine we would lose at least one because I think... To say you're going to go unbeaten you know bad days happen or you know you come up against a bad set of circumstances that sort mm-hmm. of thing but if we do try and keep that to a minimum maybe go for six seven wins because I to be honest I think it, for, in terms of the league I think Hull will run us close I'm a bit skeptical on Peterborough because they've got this track record where they always end up around it and then take that fall but yeah I think we're definitely capable of it it's just You've always been a Sunderland fan. You always have that feeling in the back of your mind that it's going to go wrong. So I'm just really hoping that that doesn't happen this time around.
0: I'm going to say we're going to win all 10 of them. Fuck it. (laughs) Um, And today, the under-23s played Burnley 1-3-0. It was interesting to see, Craig, that Denver Hume played 75 minutes for them, uh, which I think is his second game back from injury. He played in a friendly last week against Gateshead, apparently, um, Jack Diamond got two assists. Apparently Chris McGuire scored a screamer. Um, but the main news really coming out that will be the, the the fact that Denver Hume came through uh, 75 minutes, right? I mean, would you say it's a bit soon for him to be able to start on Friday or not? Because I think, although Johnson's been tentative in his approach to bringing injured players straight back in, I think there's a real case to make that Denver should probably start on Friday, considering he's been training with the first team now for a number of weeks as well, and he's played two games. I mean, how much more
1: ready do they need to get him? Yeah, I definitely think he could be in contention. I think Johnson does well in that respect, that he seems to to like really protect the players. He'd done it with Ross Stewart for a while, um, you know, just easing him back nicely into the fold, really. But I think, as you kind of touched on earlier in the pod, um, I mean, McFadden sort of improved now, so there's there's been less of a reliance, less of a need to get Hume back. So it's perhaps bought him a little extra time. But the pleasing thing is he's come through unscathed, 75 minutes against a Premier League Academy size. And, and obviously you can imagine that confidence will be brimming, especially with the results. So I'd like to see him involved, even if it is only just for a bit part, because you know most of our success recently has come down that left-hand flank and you can only imagine how good it's going to be for McGeady when Denver Hume is back fully involved. So... If it if this Friday maybe comes a little too soon, who knows? It may be Monday, but um, we've just got to make sure that we're managing well and we we'll obviously keep him keep him wrapped up in cotton wool because he's he's going to play a vital part, no doubt, in the coming weeks. I, I just
0: think all of this is shaped around getting him fit for Easter because you think about it, they arranged a game from last week, they knew he'd be playing today. And like I say, he's been training for a few weeks. And I think they've probably looked at Oxford and Peterbrand thought their wingers are a lot better than a lot of the teams in this league. I think, you know, when you think about Smodic, Dembele, if I was Johnson a couple of weeks ago, I'd have been looking at this spell of games and thought, we need to get Hume ready for those games. Maybe it could be the case that we don't know. Denver's been ready to play a lot sooner than this, and they've just held off on it to make sure he's ready for these games. Yeah. He did touch on that before the cup final, that he would he would maybe shape the recovery of certain players around certain games. If part of us thinks that this is this was always the plan for Denver to sort of play, so um, let's see, I guess. Um,
1: let touch on a couple of other things as well. The season cards went on sale today. Did you renew? Yeah, all done. All renewed for both me girl, <laughs> and my girl. And it was quick and easy enough, wasn't it? Which is certainly quite the contrast to last season, which I think it took, what, five statements for the chief executive to lose... 13,000 season ticket holders. Yeah. So I'm just pleased that the new ownership of getting the basics right, even with the finer details, uh, sending out that nice little personalized email and putting your name amongst the owner and the manager and the CEO. It's it's stuff like that. That that goes a long way and makes fans feel important again. And I think as for everything else, the the promo that the media team put together was was excellent. Yeah. It's it hit brilliant. all the right notes. And I think that little passage about how we almost lost everything through adversity and neglect. I mean, it certainly felt that way for a long time, didn't it? But the um, the main takeaway or the, the main thing for me was just how much it really hit home that I've missed going to the Stadium of Light. Everything about it, the, the match day experience and seeing your friends, your family, and it's stuff like that that you'll never take for granted again. So I think a real credit has to go to the club because the buzz around social media mm. today and the excitement when you're seeing everybody renew and they're putting the confirmation uh, pictures up on Instagram and Twitter and all that, it's... Um, it's it's just a complete sort of opposite to where we've been the feel-good factor but not only does the credit have to go to them for the marketing side of things I think also for the pricing as well because you can guarantee that the club would have lost an absolute shit ton of money during Covid after refunding last season season tickets and then all the match day revenue that they would have lost out on for this season as well so so although there is a small increase I think there's still only be what the eighth most expensive season ticket price in League One and you know, not getting too ahead of myself, but if we do go up, it'd be the 17th most expensive price in the championship, I'm sure it was said on SAFC Unfiltered last week. So I think they've done really well to keep it as afford- as affordable as they can. And not only that, to then go one step further and donate uh, one pound from every renewal to the Sunland Together campaign. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a class gesture, that. And that really is something that's befitting of a particular time for our club. I think listeners of a certain age those old enough to go to roker park they'll they'll all remember the old signs that we used to have around the place or, or on the merchandise or programs like of Sunderland dfc the caring club and i mean it hasn't felt like that for a long time has it but when you see gestures and donations to worthy causes like that especially the one that uh that obviously peter R- richardson created it just feels like a club once again rediscovering its identity and like I said, I, I just kind of wait to get back in now.
0: Yeah, I haven't been able to renew yet. Like I couldn't get my account, so if anyone from the ticket office is listening, uh, reply to my email, because otherwise I'm not going to be able to renew. You know, I just couldn't get logged in. It's been that long since I've logged in. No idea what my password is. And we'll briefly just touch on this. I mean, I'd rather direct people towards the website to read this, but um, Rich has done a great write-up on the meeting minutes from the fan collective, uh, meeting with the new owner and Christian Speakman and Steve Davison, which I haven't really learned a lot different and new, but it's great to see that the plans that we were promised are sort of shaping up and and the, yeah, they're prepared to stick by the word, essentially. The, it does seem like like they're, they're acting in a lot of the things that they said they would. Um, in particular, the stuff around um, driving the club forward on a recruitment side of things, uh, factoring the ladies' team, there's a lot on the ladies' team, it sounds like, they're very much in the club's thinking at the minute, which is great to hear because um, God knows they've sort of been ignored and and not sort of f- featured very much into the plans because of cost-cutting measures and what have you. So great news for fans of the ladies' team. But yeah, um, if anybody wants to head over to the website, they can check that out. So yeah, I mean, was there anything in particular that stood out to you? I guess the the appointments of um, two, two new key members of staff, there was... A mention of a new head of data and analysis and we did a little bit of research today found out that person is called James Young. Don't know a lot about him, but again, there's a piece on the site by Rich which touches on what his background is. A new head of player recruitment, which as of recording, we don't know who that is. But it's, yeah, it's good to see see that some moves have been made in that front,
1: isn't it? Yeah, and they look like well-thought appointments as well. It's yeah. not quite the case of anybody who has an Eastley background is immediately appointed to the role now. It looks mm-hmm. like we're doing things the correct oh, yeah. way, it's, it's key appointments, um particularly ahead of player recruitment as well, that you've got to look at and not to kind of throw like a cliche in there to say like, oh, we're now going to play the Sunderland way or anything like that. But it's important that you have sort of like a similar model that when people are blooded in the younger age groups that they can come through and they can immediately embed in the first team and, and kick on straight away. And that's obviously mm. where the football club's kind of really you know, kind of gone to shit over the course of the past two years. We've lost a generation of talent and, you know, admittedly there's, I suppose, an argument to be had that they, they may have moved on anyway, but we didn't really do an awful lot to try and retain some of these younger players who've moved on now to like Man United and in and Leeds and, and obviously a lot of other big football clubs. But um, it's, it's pleasing because it's indicative of the direction that we're going to be going now. And I know obviously the roadmap that was previously discussed is that it is perhaps going to take a long time to recover from it all. That being said, it's important that we at least do have that sense of direction. Everything at least appears to be aligned now. And it's important that at least, you know, Kirill Louis-Dreyfus has come out early doors and and basically kind of laid out what his what his plans are. Because, you know, mm. when you hear like business owners and football owners now that they just get involved and just kind of have it as a play thing, it does not, it does not certainly appear that that is his intentions. And, you know, we don't know how long he's going to be at the football club and whether it's a case of it's a couple of years 10 years who knows but the most important thing now is it looks like he is putting us on a sustainable route and you know obviously we've won our first trophy a couple of weeks back it's it's going to be the bedrock of the foundations to kick us on now and i think over the course of yeah. the next few years we're we're hopefully going to reap that benefit we've got appointments in in the right departments and, and we just need to make sure that obviously the business side and the football side begin to perform so yeah i mean we we haven't learned an awful lot that we didn't know already but like I said, I think it's um, I think it's important that they do come out, and when they do come out and speak, obviously it's via the appropriate channels. It is to the fan groups. It is via the official club channel. We're not hearing say secondhand news or or clickbait stuff via you know kind of local media or anything like that. We're hearing hearing it direct from the source. So yeah, it's um, it's vitally important.
0: Right. Okay. Cheers, lads, for joining us. We'll uh, definitely be back before the weekend. We're gonna have. A couple of pods at least on the back of the two games. Good Friday we play at Oxford, obviously. Like I said earlier, that's gonna be a tough game. Oxford always, like you said, Matty, Oxford, we haven't beat them at home since dropping into this league. So it's a yeah, it's gonna be a tough game. And then obviously after that, Peterborough is the big one. It just feels like a season defining weekend, but I think if I was an Oxford fan or a Peterborough fan, I'd be I'd be worried about playing Sunland right now. And that's all that matters ultimately. I think where I think we're the team to fear and um, yeah, might be sat here next week with egg on my face, but I'm more than confident that we'll do it.